Hello, this is Pastor John Willingham of Doralstown Presbyterian Church. As our podcast audience continues to grow, I want to thank our loyal listeners and welcome those who may have just recently found us. We know that life can quickly become busy, so this podcast offers an on-the-go opportunity to hear a Sunday sermon along with the scripture lesson read by that day's lay leader or preacher. We also encourage you to visit our website at dtownpc.org to learn more about our church and all of our diverse ministries. Thank you for tuning in. We continue our reading in the book of Jonah this morning, finishing off the book, reading chapters 3 and 4. In Eugene Peterson's introduction to this, his translation of this text in the message, he offers this commentary. Everybody knows about Jonah. People who never read the Bible know enough about Jonah to laugh at a joke about him and the whale. Jonah has entered our folklore. There is a playful aspect to this story, a kind of slapstick clumsiness about Jonah as he bumbles his way along, trying but always unsuccessfully to avoid God. But the playfulness is not frivolous. This is deadly serious. While we are smiling or laughing at Jonah, we drop the guard with which we are trying to keep God at a comfortable distance, and suddenly we find ourselves caught in the purposes and commands of God. All of us, no exceptions. Listen now to the Word of God, chapter 3 and 4. The Word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Get up, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was exceedingly large city, a three days walk across. Jonah began to go into the city going a day's walk, and he cried out, Forty days more and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast, and everyone great and small put on sackcloth. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. Then he had a proclamation made in Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles. No human being or animal or herd or flock shall taste anything. They shall not feed, they shall not drink water. Human beings and animals shall be covered with sackcloth, and they shall cry mightily to God. All shall turn from their evil ways and from the violence that is in their hands. Who knows? God may relent and change his mind, and he may turn from his fierce anger so that we do not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. But this was very displeasing to Jonah, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, and he said, O Lord, is not this what I said while I was still in my own country? That is why I fled to Tarshish at the beginning, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, 
slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and ready to relent from punishing. And now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry? Then Jonah went out of the city and sat down east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade, waiting to see what would become of the city. And the Lord appointed a bush and made it come up over Jonah to give shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was very happy about the bush. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the bush so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God prepared a sultry east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint and asked that he might die. He said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the bush? And he said, yes, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you are concerned about a bush for which you did not labor and which you did not grow. It came into being in a night and it perished in a night. And should I not be concerned about Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hands from their left and also many animals? The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Gracious God, you speak to us in strange and amazing ways. You come to us in places that we are unlikely, and yet we know of your grace. Help us to see that grace as we review again this wonderful word that comes to us this day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. This text, while we have relegated it to children, raises many questions for readers, for commentators, for pastors, for theologians. One of the questions is what kind of a book is this? Is this a historically accurate account of a real event? Or could it be a satirical parable? A type of stylized fiction that's been used throughout time to impart wisdom into the human condition and in the relationship of God to creation and humanity. Well, whatever this book might be, it is filled with wisdom and instruction. The story begins, as most prophetic books do, with God speaking to a prophet, giving them a message, and sending them off with a task. However, Jonah is an unlikely prophet, or we might say a reluctant prophet, or even a runaway prophet. For, but we do know that Jonah was a legitimate prophet, because he is mentioned in 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 25, where he is called a servant of God and a prophet. And according to the brief description in that word, in that uh, text, Jonah had been faithful in speaking the word of God to the people of God. But in this book, we're given a little closer look at Jonah, the son of Amity. How he responds to the word that God gives him and tells him to go to the city of Nineveh, Nineveh the city of his enemies. 
Joseph's, or God's command to Jonah is not one that comes with a mission impossible caveat if you choose to accept it. Rather, this is the word of the Lord, and, he, and Jonah is expected to do what's told of him. But this is a difficult mission. For Jonah was to take a word of judgment from the Lord to his enemies. The Assyrians in the city of Nineveh were known as a violent people that had conquered the world. They were pagans who did not worship the God of Israel. So why would this word have any imp impact on them? And in addition, the Assyrians feared no one. Why would they give this tiny man from Israel any credence with his word? In chapter 3, God says to Jonah again, this message is that they have 40 days to repent. They must change or they will perish. Jonah is more than reluctant. He is fearful and he flees. Now the Hebrew text is very explicit in the words that are used to describe what Jonah does. The first word of the text is arise. It comes from God. God says, get up, go. But Jonah's response is not to arise, but to go down. And his journey is a downward one. He went down to Joppa. He went down into the ship. He laid down in the bottom of the ship. And the sailors know that he is running away. He is going down from the presence of God. And Jonah, as the storm arises, tells them, throw me down into the sea. And Jonah goes down into the sea and into the belly of a fish. Now the pagan soldiers perceive that this storm is not like any other storm. And they are afraid, as Jonah tells them, that he is a Hebrew, that he is worshiper of the God who created heaven and earth. They have more awe and respect for Jonah's God than he does. And so when Jonah tells them to throw him overboard, they are reluctant. And they cry out to not only their gods, but to Jonah's God as well. Jonah hits the water, and the storm stops, and the sea becomes calm. Now the Hebrew rabbis who have studied this text they believe that the fish did not immediately appear, but rather that Jonah sank down, down, down to the bottom of the sea, and that the prayer that is recorded in chapter 2 poetically describes him being entangled in the seaweed and being in the pit of the ocean and his life ebbing away. For it is when Jonah is at the very bottom, as far as he can go away, from God's presence, that the fish of mercy appears. And he makes his confession and he offers his prayer. And it's a realistic and honest prayer that draws on the Psalms and images from the, the Psalms that uh, he knew as the prophet of Israel. And it is in that time of confession and re, of reaffirmation of his obedience to God, that he is thrown up onto dry land. 
the scripture tells us that the fish spewed him out onto the dry land. So the story continues. Jonah is given the word of the Lord. He is to go and preach, and he begins his walk across this great city. Three days, and his message is simple. Repent, 40 days, or your kingdom will be overcome. And miraculously, the people listen, and the people change, and the people repent, and they put on sackcloth, and the king hears, and the king puts on sackcloth. And even in a type of comedic act, the king puts sackcloth on the animals as well. And the people repent, and grace abound, and God relents and forgives the threat of destruction is lifted, and the people are spared, and the animals are spared, and the city is spared, and Jonah is ticked. He is totally and completely annoyed. The language is intense. He is so mad about grace. He is hot. The word that is used to describe Jonah is that he is burned up. He is so angry. He is so hot. He is burned up. Jonah wanted fire and brimstone. He wanted destruction and devastation. But instead, there was grace and mercy. And in his heart of hearts, he knew that that's what would happen. And he says so. In chapter 4, he said, Oh, Lord, is not this what I said when I was still in my own country? This is why I fled to Tarshish at the beginning, for I knew that you are a gracious God, merciful and slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and ready to relent from punishing. So what does he do? He sulks. He gets angry. He goes out and he builds himself a little shelter, a little booth. He sits under it. He is mad about grace. But God has one more lesson to teach Jonah about grace. God causes a bush to grow over the shelter and to provide shade and comfort, and Jonah is pleased by this bush. But he continues to sulk and grumble and seethe under this grace. And then there's a worm, a tiny little worm that eats the bush and takes away the shelter and Jonah's comfort. And Jonah is so angry that he wants to die. But God has the last word in this story. He calls out Jonah on his attitude and his despair. He invites Jonah to take his eyes off himself and look at the wider world, a world that is in need of redemption, filled with people that are created in God's images, image, and animals that were created with purpose and love. Now, God's love for Jonah is evident throughout this story. And God's grace for Jonah is very evident throughout the story. But sadly, Jonah didn't get it. He knew about it. He had a head knowledge, but he didn't choose to experience it. He was unable to be changed by the grace of God that he had seen. C.S. Lewis wrote to a friend about the severe mercy of God. The severe mercy that comes to us in the hardest and harshest experiences of life, when we may be low, bereft, angry, helpless, desperate, 
despairing of our life and our circumstances, but there is grace. There is goodness, there is light, there is wisdom, there is comfort. Grace that is the treasure in the darkness that Isaiah writes about. The gifts that are around us that we did not create or cultivate. The slivers of kindness and the assurances that we are not nor will ever be. So low that God does not see and God's grace cannot reach us. The grace that changes us, that changes our hearts and our attitudes, the graces that strengthen our faith. The lesson of Jonah is a cautionary tale for all of us. It's a story that exposes us to how easy it is to resent grace, to miss out on living in the joy and goodness of God. For we know that God's love is always a perfect balance of judgment and grace. So no matter what life experiences cause us to fear or despair or doubt, there's always grace. No matter how far down we've gone in rebelliousness or disobedience, there's always grace. No matter how deep our anger with God has lodged into our hearts and into our minds, there's always grace. For the grace of God has reached across the eons of time and space. The grace of God that is the essence of love snuck into human life and showed us a way to live. That grace gave us a truth about the depth and breadth of God's love for us and gave us a life to be lived joyously in freedom and gratitude for the grace that has come to us in Christ Jesus surrounds us every moment of every day. So I invite you as I invite myself to be absolutely, utterly mad about grace. May it be so. Let us pray. Gracious God, your grace to us is as deep and as wide as the ocean. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to be open to the grace you bring us each day. Thank you again for joining us today. Once again, I invite you to check out dtownpc.org for information about our worship and programming for all ages.